the spot. We are uh, back in our quarantine uh, editions of of our podcast, and we're joined by Sav Rogers again today. Hey, Sav. Hey, what's up? It's good to be back. Good to hear your voice. Um, Chris is uh, unable to join us again, but that's okay because that means we get to have cool guests on, and we're super <laughs> excited uh, that you were able to chat with us. Always available for y'all. Uh, this is, you know, one of my favorite podcasts, and it's always a joy getting to go in the studio with you guys, and this is almost just as good. <laughs> yeah, well, we have a ton to talk about, um, surprisingly, since there's still no movies, new movies coming to theaters, and theaters aren't really even open yet, but we do have news on that. Um, AMC just announced that they are going to be reopening several of their Kansas City theaters, so uh, that's coming up like August 20th, which is oh, wow. really next week. Oh, I need to turn my email off because that's my voice. There we go. That, uh, that was sooner than I expected, but I guess if, uh, if Tenet comes out September 3rd or whatever it is, maybe they want to try to have a week or two down to see how things go. I think it's so irresponsible um, yeah. that any theater is reopening. Uh, that's not like a drive-in right now. I mean, like, I know that people have businesses to run and everything like that. And, that, you know, and I know that it's tough right now, but there is not a vaccine and we have not gotten a handle on this virus. And so the idea that, you know, uh, a little bit of commerce would be worth the risk uh, to to people's lives is is very troubling to me. Yeah, so we've talked a little bit about this. Um, the most that I've said is I think I would feel okay going, but I do agree they probably shouldn't be open. Like if it was an option to go to a, like a new movie like Tenant and it was open and they had the space like spaced out, um, I would feel okay going. But also like I don't think I should have the option to go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I get that. I, uh, you know, like the, the, the most that we're doing right now is that we're going to go to the drive-in um, and stay in our car and not roll down our windows. And, you know, maybe I'm overly cautious here, but, you know, there was a new study uh, talked about in the New York Times just yesterday, how it's not exactly six feet that, you know, keeps you safe. Like they were able to capture a live virus um, more than six feet away. It could actually be up to like I believe it's 16 feet, the, the, the New York Times article said. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as much as I miss going to the movies and I want to support our industry and support movie, you know, movies by filmmakers, I don't think it's worth the risk to, to human health right now. We are in a, a severe crisis that does not have any kind of real support from the government because it's peddling these anti-masking theories, right? Like, I, I just don't think it's, it's safe to do right now. And I tweeted this that I think that this would be a great reopening strategy by AMC once there is uh, a handle on the virus or a vaccine that is accessible to the public, right? Um, so I think it's a great strategy and it's great programming, but it's a terrible time to do it. I don't know why. I mean, I do know why that they're, they're trying to push reopening. I know why, but I don't think it's responsible. Yeah, we were seeing more of a decline. Uh, like a, a, a drastic decline, I would be at least a little bit more um, okay with it, I guess. But because we're not even seeing that, it, it is it is surprising, especially these big companies that, um, I mean, I know AMC has had some trouble, but you know, it's, it's one thing for a small local theater to need to reopen so they can get by, <clears throat> but it's another for these big corporations. Yeah, Cinemark 20 and XD, they're opening um, August, wait, what's today? I think it was on the 15th. 14th. 14th. 14th, which is tomorrow. Um, what I don't get, like, so AMC and, you know, like Cinemark 2, they have huge parking lots, and Walmart is even doing, like, these parking lot drive-in type shows. So I don't know why they wouldn't do that because they're the movie theaters and you see like Walmart's popping up doing this all over the country where they're having different show times in their parking lot. So I don't know why instead of opening your theaters, you wouldn't just take advantage of those that huge space they have out there and do something like that instead. 
I agree. I, I think that there are so many innov- innovative ways for, uh, you know, the movie going public to be able to interact with these major chains that have more resources than the local ones. And if you really can, you know, trying to keep your business and, and stay profitable during a pandemic, then you need to offer something that is accessible to the people who are going to be hurt by that pandemic, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still like if I knew that there was a movie that I really, really wanted to see in theaters and I was wearing a mask the whole time and it was spaced out, I, I would feel okay going just because I don't feel like I'm any safer in a grocery store. Um, but I still agree, like, I don't think that they should be opening, but if it is open and it's, like, te- like I do want to see Tenet in theaters, like, I would go, even though I know, like, it's not a smart idea for them to open right now, too. I, I would rather just them hold off for several months and then I can go see it later, but. Well, did you see that, that article in the pitch about the Alamo Draft House? Yeah, I, read, I was reading that yesterday. I didn't, uh, please summarize. Uh, so basically the article with great reporting, uh, by the pitch, um, talks about how terrible the employees of the Alamo Draft House in Kansas City have been treated. Um, you know, whether it was, um, not getting time off for injuries and being forced to climb, you know, five flights of stairs, uh, with like, you know, a, a, a broken ankle or, um, you know, like the sewage issues that they had, but also one of you know, sexual harassment, things like that. It's really horrible. You should read the whole thing to, to you know, really heard check it out. I've about Alamo for a, like a year now, so this is not surprising. Well, and one of the things is that they had employees enforce like the no talking rule. And, and one of the things that happened was that there were a couple of uh, female employees there who were, uh, you know, uh, basically like assaulted by men who they asked to like not talk during the movies. Like one was like punched directly in the chest. Um, you know, they had to be like, uh, you know, uh, had had to have other employees take them to their car for because of their sense of safety. Like they weren't allowed to leave work after like they were assaulted at work. You know, and so my thought is, how are you going to get? AMC employees to enforce these no mask, these anti-maskers. You know what I mean? People who want to go back to the movies but won't wear a mask. It's dangerous for them because we don't know if if they're carrying the virus. You know that puts them directly at risk, in my opinion. When you're asking predominantly teenage employees to uh, tell you know adults like, hey, you have to wear a mask. Like I think it's a situation where they're very much at risk. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's really, really hard to enforce those things. Um, and yeah, unless they uh, just start kicking people out who aren't, who aren't following the rules, which I don't see them doing, because, you know, you're asking 21, 22-year-old kids who are working at the theater to <laughs> kind of stand up, and they're not going to do that. So, yeah, I don't know what the yeah. solution is. The solution is really just don't open until it's safe, um, or do... <laughs> Or do the parking lot stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, I want to go to the movies really bad. I mean, I, I, didn't, I, only, I only got to see Birds of Prey in theaters four times, guys. Oh, so, gosh, this, That's not enough. <laughs> that is not enough by my standards. No, but, you know, I miss going to the movies. But I just don't think it's worth putting people at risk. I think people are way more important than, you know, movies. Uh, maybe that's a surprising opinion coming from me. Because uh, that's all I talk about, but I, I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's just it's way too premature, and I think they, they have these great programming initiatives, but uh, at what cost? Yeah, I agree with you. I totally agree with you, and I'm fine. Like I, I honestly don't. I'm fine if we don't get another new release movie for. I mean, we're getting stuff on like on VOD, which is you know kind of satisfying the need to see something new. Um, but yeah, if like I didn't have a movie to see in the theater for another year, it'd be sad, but I would, it's fine. You know, I could handle that. It wouldn't be the end of the world. There's plenty of good things that I have wanted to go back and watch, you know, classic films and really good TV shows that are still coming out. So I I don't feel like I'm not getting anything to watch. I feel like there's plenty of stuff out there, so it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but well, have you seen this thing where they're they're putting like the new releases on like exclusive platforms? Like, I think Black Widow is going to be available on Disney Plus exclusively, but you have to pay thirty dollars to watch it. Yeah. Like, I'm curious as to what you guys think about that. 
Oh yeah, I think it's I think it's Mulan. So that's a strange one. I, or I know Mulan is doing it. I, it's it's weird because they're kind of asking a lot. Like it's a lot of these other films have been twenty dollars, uh, but for Mulan, you not only have to have Disney Plus, but then you pay thirty dollars. <clears throat> and so it's sort of strange. And and that that if anything makes me nervous, just like how high are the prices going to keep going? I guess for these big movies, you know, like. Uh, if they decide to put James Bond on VOD, is that going to be 30, 40 bucks? Because the studio wants to make as much money off of it as possible and no people pay it. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to have these new movies because there's obviously so many that we haven't gotten and won't get. Um, but I mean, $30 is quite a bit. And you don't get to keep it, right? It's just to rent? I'm pretty sure it's just to rent. Um, yeah, it's a one-time viewing thing, I think. Yeah, we've, my wife and I, we've been able to make the argument, like when Trolls came out, um, you know, if we would have taken us and the, our four-year-old to the movies, uh, plus snacks and popcorn, it probably would have been more than 20 bucks, and then we got it for two or three days, and Sadie watched it, like, four times. Um, but even, you know, again, once you start climbing and it's $30, and I don't even know if that's something my four-year-old would have been interested in. So then you're thinking, I, I don't know, it just seems like a lot to, like maybe it's not quite evening out as much as others. It feels like a steal if you're watching with multiple people. But if you're like me and I'm like the only one in the house who may be interested in watching one of these movies, it's like, man, I got to pay $40 just to watch it by myself. And I got to provide all the snacks and food and all that. <laughs> that's a great point. I'm providing myself with the snacks and food, yeah. I don't, I don't know that I would... There's, I don't know that there's a movie that I would pay $30 to watch at home. Like Tenet, I want to see, but I definitely will wait to see that in the theater. I mean, if they put Black Widow on Disney, if they are doing that, I'm pro of course I'm gonna pay 30 bucks to see it. There's definitely some movies that I would do it. It's just like, I would do it kind of begrudgingly. Like even Bill and Ted 3, doing the VOD thing. I'm really excited and it's like the weekend of my birthday or whatever, so I'm obviously going to make a thing of it, but I'm going to do it kind of begrudgingly when I type, when I put in my, you know, my info. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of money. I mean, Marvel knows that we're going to keep watching these movies, so it's not like, you know, it's not like it's an option. Like, if they put Star Wars on there, imagine how much money they would make. You know what I mean? Um <laughs> But I, uh, you know, I, I do question, you know, is there a movie that I want to see that badly? And I think I'm, I got spoiled by like the movie pass AMC Stubbs model, where you pay X amount of dollars and you see X amount of movies per week or per month. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were definitely spoiled before, that's for sure. Um, and, you know, I do feel bad for these theaters that are literally just trying to make money. But at what point do you just say it's a wash this year? This whole year is a wash. Like stop trying it's not gonna happen let's all just cancel it and <laughs> hold off until tell things start to normalize a little bit i don't know but it's like oh well we'll try to open and see how it goes and i can almost guarantee you it's not gonna go very well right i mean and i want to support theater exhibition as much as possible but i'm much more interested in focusing on you know the little guys that aren't getting you know the huge ppp reliefs uh, the relief you know packages and whatnot like, uh, you know, like I love the Screenland Armor, you know, in Kansas City, and I want to support them by like, you know, becoming a patron or like buying a gift card there or something like that um, to invest money in, in them for the future. Um, but I also have that privilege to be able to, to do that, right? And, um, you know, I know a lot of folks can't. So I'm just, I don't know how we support the theater exhibition industry. Um, you know, ethically during this time without putting more people at risk, I guess. Yeah, it's tough. Well, um, there are tons of stuff, tons of movies and TV shows. Uh, like I said, we had a lot of movie news. So there's a lot of things that we're hearing are going to be in development soon. Stuff that I'm excited about, stuff that I'm not so excited about. Um, one thing I do have to mention real quick, though, is Hulu canceled High Fidelity. And I'm very, very upset about this. Because um, Justin and I both watched it and really enjoyed curious. it. Um, and not only that, but they, they even, what was it, they, they were quoted as saying like, well, we had to deliberate even more than usual on this one. And it's like, if you have to deliberate that much, just don't cancel it. There's a reason for that, right? 
I don't really get it because I thought it did pretty well and I think there was a nice little fandom there with it. It got good reviews. I I thought Zoe Kravitz was awesome. So yeah, I don't really know what why they decided to cancel that. It's really sad. Sab, did you get a chance to watch it at all? Were you the one that told me to watch it? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I I, I had it suggested to me, and I wanted to, because I haven't seen the movie. I haven't seen the movie High Fidelity, which I know is, uh, I, which I know is, um, oh, what's the word? Blasphemy. A little um, but, yeah. Yeah, I just haven't, I just haven't seen it. Um, you know, not that I it was actively, like, not watching it or anything, but uh, I wanted to watch that first, and then by the time that I got around to, like, that on my list, they had canceled it, and I'm like, oh, well, is now this is going to, is this going to be a situation where, like the season ends on like a like a cliffhanger, and I've gotten all emotionally invested for there to be like no payoff in season two. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's my concern because like I really like Zoe Kravitz. I think she's like was way underutilized on like Big Little Lies and everything, and I pretty much liked her in I think everything I've ever seen her in. So it was definitely a high on the list, but. You know, it's it felt weird to like watch like the reboot or reimagining of it without having seen the original. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. fair. I'm obviously a huge I'm a huge fan of the movie. It and uh, was a little nervous about the show, even though I was excited. But I thought the show was was really well done, and like my wife liked the show a lot more than the movie um, for good reason. And I thought that they ended it. You're definitely like emotionally invested and excited for what's to come. But it's it's a pretty good. There's an ending. Good closure in there. But, There's an but ending I, that could also move forward for more story if they decided. Sure. So I mean, either way, I think I think it would be okay. But I really enjoyed it. I'm glad that they're canceling it. Well, just for the you know the benefit of the people behind the show and also the fans, you know, I hope that they don't have one of those contracts where it's like, oh, you know, you can't take this show out for three years uh to try to get it picked up for another season if we cancel it like a lot of these streamers have these contracts where it's like really strict about not getting picked up somewhere else because they want to own all the ip for as long as like the public is like captivated by it so i'm hoping that it can be like more of a one day at a time situation where eight months later they find a new home and they get picked up again that's what i think will happen i don't i don't think there's any way it'll i think it'll either come back or somebody else will pick it up so Okay, so one, everything else that we're going to talk about is in development except for this. Uh, this has actually already been made, and uh, there was a trailer that dropped, and it's Zola, and Justin shared this with me. I knew nothing about this movie, um, and it's in A24. It's with Taylor Page, Riley Keough, and uh, the two from Succession, Nicholas Braun, which I freaking love Succession. I love this guy. He's Cousin Greg in Succession. So funny. But this whole movie is based off of a Twitter thread, which I, once I read about it, I went back and read this Twitter thread, and I think it was from like 2000, I don't remember, maybe it was like seven years ago or something like that. Um, but I vaguely remember this, because it was kind of like the first Twitter thread story that like ever existed, and it's about this like stripper who... <laughs> Um, gets, like, caught up in this, like, sex trafficking, kidnapping, slash drug, drug, weekend of drugs, and, um, they made a movie out of it, and it's, it looks crazy. (laughs) I sincerely regret missing Zola at Sundance, and and I'll tell you why I didn't go see it at Sundance, because A24 was releasing it, and my thought was, it'll come out in a few months, and I'll be able to watch that. I would rather spend time with people at Sundance that I don't get to see very often or try to see films that maybe aren't going to get as big of a theatrical release, right? Or won't get picked up by the festivals that I go to. And let me tell you, this year is really kicking my ass in terms of (laughs) all the movies that I chose not to see at Sundance that are not getting uh, that release now. So it was one um, of the more popular movies there that got a lot of buzz. Oh yeah, people were stoked on it. Everybody I know who's seen Zola thinks it's incredible um and i'm and i'm really excited to see it um i read the twitter thread after hearing about the buzz at sundance and uh i just thought it was fantastic and the idea of like turning a twitter thread into a movie is fascinating to me just like the all the different ways that you can innovate with storytelling and then how does that translate to a movie i think it's it's i think it's like the best thing to to happen in a while regarding like how movies got made 
I totally agree. And they're kind of comparing it to the movie Spring Breakers, which I'm like, I can totally see based on the trailer and having read the Twitter thread, I'm like, yeah, this sounds about right. So. Justin, what do you think? I um I don't remember who told me about it. I feel like I had heard about it uh, maybe last year or maybe maybe it was from Sundance and it just feels like forever ago because we've been what in this pandemic for what feels like four years. But I uh, nowadays anytime A twenty four releases anything, I get really excited about it. So um, I remember it had some of the biggest buzz from Sundance. I was listening to some podcast where they were raving about it. And uh, so I was pretty excited when the trailer finally came out and it's very much a teaser. Like they don't really show much at all. Um, but I also just think the fact that it's based on a Twitter thread is incredible. Like just that a Twitter thread can inspire a movie now is, is insane. Yeah, I even like got into like, how did they like secure the rights for that? Cause it was a Twitter thread and like, how does that work? Like, so you obviously kind of, want to pay the storyteller because it's her story and her rights and they had to like figure out a way to do that since it never had been done before so pretty so it, isn't she an executive producer on it yeah yep i mean that's amazing yeah. <laughs> can you imagine can you imagine if you told like the epic story on twitter and then a24 was like we want to turn this into a movie and pay you a bunch of money for it right. i kind of like see it as um i'm sure you guys know who megan amram is but she was like huge on twitter just like telling jokes got a big following and next thing you know she was like writing for parks and rec and god i can't remember all the shows that she was on but like it started from just like telling jokes on twitter so i i I think that's harder to do now because like that was back when Twitter was kind of just getting started and people were figuring out what it was. So it was easier to like find success there. It's kind of like, oh, if I wanted to be an Instagram influencer now, it wouldn't happen. It's just like, there's way too many people. But like back then, if, if you had a big Twitter following, it definitely like led to more opportunity. So um, I think that's right. like pretty cool how people started off on there and are now you know either making tv shows or making movies or just found success like being comedians pretty cool we should have all gotten started a lot sooner <laughs> that's how i feel i always feel like i'm behind I, for the record i'm 25 and everybody's like oh you're a child but like i always feel like oh what if i had what if i had done this like hindsight's really 2020 in that aspect mm -hmm. Like Vine, you could have been a Vine star, and then you could have been a TikTok star, and you wouldn't even had to, you know, get a real job or anything. You just make little five-second videos your whole life, and <laughs> everything's paid for. You know, I was, I was, uh, like, a, a, in, like, the appropriate age demographic for when, like, Vine was super popular. I couldn't hack it. I just, I, you know, it's, it's such a, it's so it's such a specific form of comedy and so is like you know and so is tiktok like i i don't understand like how people are good at it like it's just beyond me like i feel like uh like people who can innovate on those platforms deserve a little more respect than they get but not like you know lip-syncing videos in general or anything but you know what i mean but like look at sarah cooper she was able to take like you know her donald trump like videos with her like facial expressions and now she's like getting a, a netflix stand-up special i mean that's incredible Oh, I was reading about that, like, either today or yesterday, but um, I am not familiar with Sarah Cooper, but I saw the headline to that, so. She, uh -huh. like, used to work at Google, and then, like, started doing these, like, TikTok, like, Trump videos, where she, like, would, like, uh, lip sync over what he was saying, and, like, make fun of him. Oh, okay. And, like, and it's, like, all in her face, man, like, it's really funny, and I so she just that. did, like, but she just did like a guest stint, like hosting Jimmy Kimmel live from home and, and whatnot. And she was really good. Like, you know, I mean, I love that, you know, in a sense, you know, the internet has kind of democratized these spaces that may have been harder to get into, you know, may have been harder to bust in as a comedian if you were worried about like your family and trying to like make, make ends meet and things like that. Or, you know, if you had a career something in something else. So I think that's pretty rad. Yep. Me too. Well, um, I don't, I think the Zola trailer just said coming soon on Netflix. I don't remember if they actually set a date, but, uh. Hope it is soon. Yeah. I don't think it, I don't know that it said a date. I think it was Netflix too. Now I'm like totally spacing out and forgetting what the deal was with that movie, but. 
uh, yeah, hopefully we will get to see that and review that soon. Okay. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think it's anything. I think that it's just a coming soon. I'm not sure. It was There's, Netflix though, wasn't it? Am I, I, don't, I didn't think it was. No? Maybe I'm... Is it just VOD? Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to look that up at some point. Um, okay, let's talk about some of these things that are just announced in development. Uh, dirty Dancing. No, thank you. What is that noise about? Justin, you're on mute. <laughs> Sorry, I am baffled. Why, why do a Dirty Dancing sequel without Patrick, Sw Patrick Swayze? No, I don't, I don't get it. So yeah, that's the news. Um, it's gonna be Jennifer Grey is starring and executive producing and a movie. And it's, uh, this is, okay, so it's the Warm Bodies director and I do really like Warm Bodies. But that doesn't make sense for dirty dancing to me. Yeah, I I like Jonathan Levine, the director, a lot. I'm 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 very I'm happy to see Jennifer Grey doing stuff again. Um, uh, I loved obviously she did so many things that that she made in the '80s and stuff that I love. But yeah, I don't know like uh, how how you do it without Swayze and those hips. I don't I don't get it. He's like sixty percent of the draw to that movie and he's no longer with us, and I don't want to see a Dirty Dancing that doesn't involve Patrick Swayze, personally, so I don't... I'm sure there's some sort of story that they either have or can come up with that will be really interesting. Um, like, maybe she just returns to the... Although, I don't think that those things exist anymore, so I don't Yeah, it was know. like the Catskills. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Definitely, like, there, I don't think people, like, take family vacations like that anymore. Is she going to be like a dance teacher that's like, <laughs> I just, like, I don't want to see it. I don't need it. I'm very upset about this. I hate when they take, like, classic, just, like, awesome movies and try to make something out of it. It's very upsetting. Sav, have you seen Dirty Dancing? I have, and I, and I like it. I like Dirty Dancing. Um, you know, I... I try not to judge these press releases too hard because sometimes I end up eating my words um, or I feel vindicated in my initial opinion of it, but I always try to wait for the, for the movie to come out before I judge too harshly, even if, you know, I, I do agree that I, I don't understand, you know, just from that press release, like why they would do uh, a sequel or, or anything like that uh, without Patrick Swayze. Um, but you know, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see you know what direction they take it in. But didn't they just do some kind of like reboot of Dirty Dancing yeah, with like Abigail Breslin? There's there was like Dirty Dancing Havana Nights, and then like another one. I don't know. I pay no attention to them because like it's just too classic of a film for me to like even want to see <laughs> anything else. Regarding. They did one of those live musical things on Fox, I think, that had Abigail Breslin as, as uh, baby. Apparently it was okay. terrible, I, I never watched it. But. I didn't even know that was a thing that existed. I knew they did the, like the Havana Nights one, which had no, it was didn't have anything to do with Jennifer Grey or it, like. Well, it, so there's like a super funny story about that, how like somebody was like, apparently somebody wrote a screenplay about like competitive dancing in Cuba or something like that. And it got turned into and warped into Dirty Dancing 2 Havana Nights. Uh, yeah. um, so it's like not even like, it, it, it was like this guy wrote a script, I guess, and then kind of got bastardized into a Dirty Dancing sequel that was like a direct to DVD release. Yeah, I also hate when that happens. It's like, oh, let's just slap the name of the popular thing on it so people will go watch it. And it's like, if you just focused on doing your own thing and like being creative, like maybe it would have worked out better for you. I don't know. I, I just don't, I don't want that movie to be touched. It's the same thing as like, if I hear anything about Back to the Future or anything, any of those classic films, it's just like, no, stop, they're fine. Like we don't need more. This isn't, there's, there's just no reason for a sequel. The story was told, it was perfect the way it was. Like, I don't need, I don't need to know what happened next in that one. As somebody, I, I have a little more empathy, I think, than I used to for like reimaginings and reboots now because I'm working on something that would be a reimagining or a reboot or something. I can't, I can't get into specifics or anything, but it's definitely made me like soften my position a bit where it's like, huh, you know, this does have like merit sometimes. Hopefully, hopefully people will think that. <laughs> well, now I'm very intrigued. I'm also very much in the camp of like, let's, 
let's reboot and revamp things that were like good ideas that maybe weren't executed well, or I don't know, maybe, maybe just something that hasn't aged well. I don't know. Like why, why touch these perfect things? But you know, yeah. Cause I've also, I was very hesitant about a Blade Runner sequel and then I ended up loving Blade Runner 2049. So yeah. it happens. Yeah. I feel that. Um, what do you guys think about MacGruber? <laughs> MacGruber has been ordered to a series at Peacock. Uh, and it's uh, definitely uh, has, what's his name? A Will Forte attached, but don't know if Kristen Wiig is coming back in her role. But I am all down for more MacGruber stuff. I, uh, <laughs> I watched MacGruber for the first time, I think, like, last year, um, after, like, enjoying, like, the SNL sketches. So I'm curious as to see, like, what's the new direction? How can they extend the joke? Or, like, what does it look like in, you know, 2021 or 2022, whenever it, it comes out? Uh, hopefully, Kristen Wiig would be back because she's so brilliant in everything she does and just elevates everything. But uh, it, sh it should be interesting, if nothing else. I actually saw the movie in theaters and didn't like it. I remember being really excited about it and then saw it and was like, what is this movie? But then revisited it about a year ago and loved it, which is a, such a weird thing. Um, I don't know if like, for I don't know, maybe it was not in the right headspace or something. And then when I revisited it, you know, something clicked, but I, I'm pretty excited. I usually get excited anytime Will Forte's in anything. So this is just kind of, you know, just even cooler. I loved when, would he pop up in like Good Boys or something as the dad? Was that him in that movie? Yeah, that, that's right. I like it when he pops up as like a father figure in, in a movie. It's just like so perfect. Um, he, he, he is always going to be one of my favorite comedians. He just cracks me up. I love, I love watching him in movies. So yeah, I think that's super fun. It also really makes me happy that this means like, you know, next year, because, like, I was really worried since people, all the movies and TV shows kind of got shut down in production. I was like, man, we're not going to get anything good or anything new. Like, in 2021, it's going to suck. It's going to feel like a drought. But I feel like there's enough now going into production that we should have a good uh, good number of things to look forward to next year. Well, and I think you're going to see, like, a huge, uh, you know, uptick in documentaries released and um, animated things. Like, I think those are all things that are either being finished right now or going into production right now in a way that um, is a lot cheaper. In a, animation's not cheaper. Uh, documentaries are cheaper, but also um, safer, I think, for people to produce right now and can be done remotely for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Also, I'm sure people are going to be really creative and we're going to see a lot of really contained uh, projects you know few few fewer locations fewer actors and you know like uh john david washington and zendaya just shot some movie that's like a marriage drama that's just the two of them in a house or something like that and i think i think that's something else i will probably see well i like i'm the really excited i don't know about that project but they're both it's the it's the guy that made uh, Euphoria, I believe, is the guy that is directing it. That's right. I think you're right. Yeah, I couldn't remember his name, but yeah, yeah. I that's a series I would like to start. I need to get into that. Um, local news: Fresh Prince of Bel Air reboot directed and off based off the idea of local is Morgan Morgan Cooper. Um, super cool. I don't know if you guys all listening saw that, but, um, he yeah. dramati dramatized and the viral video was like, just called Bel Air. And it was if Fresh Prince had happened as a drama and they, Will Smith saw it, loved it. And now they're actually going to produce it into a reboot. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's really yeah cool. I think oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, it's a, it's a rad opportunity and I'm really glad for him. It's also another cool example of like, uh, I mean, similar to this Twitter thread thing. I mean, he just made a fan, you know, short film thing and it was very well done, obviously. It wasn't just like, you know, a kid threw something together on an iPhone or something, but I mean, um, just the fact that he, just this, this fan video or whatever that he put together and then now it's a whole thing is, is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I guess that does go into what we were talking about, about just creating stuff on the internet and then boom, you've got a career out of it. So 
really it also ties it also ties in with that conversation about reboots though you know like uh you know uh, i know a lot of people on the internet are like don't touch it it's perfect um but people in kansas city are really stoked for you know morgan so i think it's uh you know i think if folks keep an open mind maybe it'll surprise them so my justin and i had a brief conversation about this a little bit like my preference would be to just like take the idea and like the basic plot story of like a guy moving in with rich relatives and using that i i don't know that i'd want to see it like if it was oh here's will here's uncle phil here's like all the characters but i love the idea of like just taking the basic plot and the basic story and like turning it into something i don't i don't necessarily know that I'd love if it was like the same characters because like Will Smith is the Fresh Prince you know if I saw somebody else playing that I think it would feel weird to me but again you're right keep an open mind and just see what we see for sure but I you know people are rightly very excited for him especially you know uh, he came back to shoot that in Kansas City so you know maybe it'll you know maybe it'll uh, feel more personal to Morgan you know um, I think that's a big part of you know, reimagining something is, is, you know, the point of view on it. So hopefully um, that can be honored and, and, you know, everybody will be really happy about it. Mm -hmm. Totally. Very cool. Um, and, you know, Kansas City is like, it's like our time to shine because uh, Fargo, Fargo season four is coming out too soon. Um, and that's all based in Kansas City. So I, I'm loving the Kansas City love and I'm super excited for Fargo. Uh, I think I'm caught. I can't remember. I didn't see the Fargo with uh, the season. It must have been season three, the one with um, Obi Wan Kenobi. What's his name? Ewan McGregor. <laughs> I don't know why that was not coming to me. Um, but I love, I love the series. It's very cool. So we can expect that on September 27th. Radical. Sorry, my pugs are barking. Oh, it's okay. Um, other things, let's talk about this real quick. Uh, so Jason Bateman is coming up with a, a TV show called Super World, which sounds super fun. <laughs> um, and he's teamed up with the guy from Game Night, which was one of my like surprise hit comedies like that I didn't know that I was going to end up loving and I super love it. Um, and it's uh, a story that takes place in 2038 in a world where everyone has superpowers except for one person. <laughs> and, but Jason Bateman is not <laughs> acting in it. He's directing it, but he's a great director. So I don't know who's acting in it. I think the idea is so fun. I love when, cause obviously superheroes are in superhero films, TV shows and everything are is still huge. So I, I love when somebody comes out with these kind of fun takes on it. And I love Jason Bateman, so it's, it's really exciting. Sounds like Sky High, kind of. I don't know, it's probably not Sky High. Oh, sure. like, just like that idea of like the superhero world or whatever, where people have all these powers and stuff. And I like, I love Jason Bateman doing comedy again. You know, he's been doing the serious Ozark stuff. So, and he, like, he's been awesome with Ozark, but it's, he's like, Game Night was so funny. So I just like him in comedies. I like seeing him doing stuff like that. So pretty cool. Um, and then the other thing we got, Martin Scorsese is signed on uh, to do some more projects for Apple. So he's currently working on Killers of the Flower Moon, the Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro um, show based on the novel or the true crime book. Um, so more Martin Scorsese doing TV film projects for streaming services. I'm down for any more Scorsese we can ever get. So yeah. <laughs> uh, this is very exciting for, for me at least. Yeah, agreed. All right, last thing is uh, Allison Brie and Dave Franco said that they wrote an entire rom-com in quarantine and adorable, first of all. Um, second of all, yes, please. And third of all, why are there not more rom-coms? Like, I'm, I'm very sad that rom-coms kind of went away for a while, and I'm very excited that they're coming back. They've been kind of on a rise on, like, Netflix. There's a few. Exactly. But I... I haven't watched, but uh, um, like there's one that my that my wife watched and really liked. I forgot what it was. Maybe it was Set It Off. Maybe either way, um, you know. So I think I think they're due for like a big. We're we're due for a good big one. And I would say Palm Springs was like kind of that. I guess there's like a rom com element to that movie. I think it counts, but that was just 
your child is. Yeah, she's throwing things around. Um, but uh, but yeah, I I love Alice and Brie and Dave Franco, so that's you know, I, it can't be bad. Yeah, that's all I got for movie news. So real quick, Sab, what have you been watching uh, since we have since you've been confined to your house? Oh gosh, um, we've as a family we've watched uh, a ton of RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, I have watched nine regular seasons with my wife, um, three seasons, four seasons of All Stars, and then uh, we've just been kind of watching a lot of like Trixie Mattel and Katya's show on the internet. Um, it's been it's been really fun to to get back into like drag culture a little bit. Um, but I'm trying to think of what else we've been watching. We watched a ton of Criminal Minds. We watched like 12 seasons of Criminal Minds, I think. I mean, it's been a lot of like TV and, and less movies, I guess. But we've also watched, watched a lot of documentaries. Um, there's a film from the 60s called The Queen. It's a one-hour documentary that Netflix, uh, you know, pushed out like the 4K uh, release of it and everything like that. Um, you know, we watched uh, Pick of the Litter, which is a fun documentary that I think premiered at Slam Dance in, in 2018 about um, guide dogs and everything. Uh, also re-watching movies that we just love, um, but not a, not a ton of like huge like narrative theatrical experiences. It's been a good uh, opportunity for me to kind of dive more into like the docuseries world as we're finishing uh, Chasing Chasing Amy. Yeah, so um, give us an update on how that's going. I'm sure a lot more difficult now that the traveling and all that stuff has stopped, but where are you in that process? And give us an update. Yeah, so we're in post-production for it. We basically have the first two thirds of our movie shot. Um, and then we're kind of hoping that there's a vaccine that allows us to uh, finish our third act in the next year. Um, we're really hoping to have the movie out now in January 2022. We kind of had to have a lot of things delayed just because the world kind of stopped. Um, but we're really hoping to, to get it out into the world, um, you know, for its 25th, for Chasing Amy's 25th uh, anniversary. Um, but, you know, we've been working on a lot of stuff in quarantine. Um, my friend Taylor Gates and I finished a screenplay set at Dollywood, which was super fun. And we're working on a second feature together right now. And we're just, you know, just trying to make as much stuff to be ready uh, for when the pandemic's over as possible. Did I see something about Margot Robbie? Yes. Um, so, you know, uh, this, is, this is great to talk about on this show because I've, I've spoken of, about my love of Margot Robbie movies. Um, yeah, my friend Taylor Gates and I, we are writing a screenplay called I Love You, Margot Robbie. And uh, <laughs> I posted like the picture of our note cards on Twitter. Um, and the, the whole premise is basically, uh, this, this teenage trans boy, um, is in love with a girl in his grade and, um, he has an imaginary friend who he confides everything into and, and that is A-list actress Margot Robbie, but it's what a teenage boy thinks Margot Robbie is like. And so there's kind of that like fantastical elements, uh, there. Um, and it, you know, it's like a sweet rom-com coming of age story and, uh, I really hope that we have the opportunity to get this made maybe after chasing, chasing Amy, but it all, you know, and if Margot Robbie didn't want to do it, we could find somebody else who would want to play this kind of uh, fun version of themselves in a way, I think. So, yeah, but I, I think it's uh it's an homage to, you know, uh, how fun she is and, and what a great actor she is. So uh, hopefully she'd want to do it. Your love for her. <laughs> No, I mean, so the the basic premise, I, I, I don't know if Taylor's going to get mad at me for saying this, but uh, the, the idea is that the girl that he likes in his grade is Australian, and uh. that's the tie-in, is that, like, she is, like, she's, like, a representation of his, like, unconscious, right? Because, um, you know, she, you know, an imaginary friend is really just a reflection of you back to you, kind of, or what you wish you had, right? And so um, the fact that Margot Robbie is Australian and the girl he likes is Australian definitely comes into play. Well, that sounds super fun. Um, yes, and we do know your love for Margaret Robbie, so very appropriate, too. Um, I, did I tell you what my dream project is? My, if I only get to make one studio movie, I'd want to do a Birds of Prey sequel that was about, uh, that was like an action rom-com between Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. I think if I got to direct one studio movie my whole life, that would be it. That would be what I wanted to make. 
would Uma Thurman get to be <laughs> reprise her role as Poison Ivy, or would you want somebody else to do it? Uh, I'm totally open to that. I'm open to anything. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I don't think she'd want to, but, um, if she, <laughs> if this was a thing where she, like, wanted to take her power back or something like that, because people don't give a, a lot of respect to the Batman and Robin movie, though I think it's terribly fun. Um, but no, I mean, I, I just think it would be, have you seen, like, the Harley Quinn, uh, series on HBO Max? I, I've watched three episodes. I was going to ask uh, if you had seen it because, um, yeah, I've seen three episodes of it and it's actually, and it's great. It's a fantastic show. Um, and so I think, you know, I would be pulling a lot from from there in uh, that dynamic and that characterization of Poison Ivy uh, to make it work. I think it's a fantastic show. I hope they renew it for season three. I think it's one of the best animated shows I've ever seen. Um, and it really builds on if you like Birds of Prey or if you like the Harley Quinn comics, like I think it may be the the purest form of that character, not bogged down by like movie studio politics. I'm really happy with HBO Max. I like everything that they have on there. Like the other day we were scrolling through trying, trying to find a movie and it was like, oh, I would watch that. Oh, I would watch that. And it's like, I don't do that on Netflix is like, scroll, scroll, scroll. What can I watch? What can I watch? And like HBO Max, I had a list of like six or seven things that I wanted to watch that night, just scrolling briefly. So I think they have a lot of good contact on there. I'll have to. Yeah, their, their library is huge. It's almost too much. It's kind of daunting. Like, I, I get too indecisive now. I've got too many options. There's, like, a really good amount of just, like, classic movies or, like, a nostalgic 80s movies that I haven't seen in so long that I was really happy to see on there. And, um, you know, HBO is always turning out good, good series, too. Um, so, yeah, I'll have to check that out. That's cool. I All mean, right. I want them to strike a deal with, with Roku, by the way. Because if you have, like, a Roku TV like I do, you can't watch the, the HBO Max app because they haven't struck a deal because neither one of them is happy with, like, any of the business side. So I have not been able to fully enjoy the benefits of HBO Max, and they took away my HBO Go app. Yeah, they did do that. We had HBO Go, and it's like, nope, you got to switch over to Max. So. That's how I feel about uh, Peacock. Their library is good, but not only do their movies have commercial breaks which is kind of frustrating that's not just like a commercial at the beginning it's they actually stop the movie um three or four times for commercials but uh i can't get it on my smart tv it's only available on some smart tvs and then uh there was something else there was another thing that made it hard to watch but anyways thankfully my tv can get hbo max and i'm only keeping it for a limited i've only got two more weeks on it but i um i'm gonna try to finish the Harley Quinn cartoon and Doom Patrol because I watched season one of Doom Patrol and it's so much fun. <laughs> I know, I'm so sorry. But uh, season two is shorter, so I can hopefully get and Justin's been also watching Watchmen. Sorry, he's got to take care of his baby that's crying right now, but... <laughs> I, my fiance, my, I, we just got married, so I keep saying almost fiance. Uh, my wife and I... Uh, Congratulations, we, by the way, but yes. Thank you, thank you. My wife and I are really excited to watch Watchmen, um, but it's been, it's, the pandemic's been such a bummer, and as, like, great of TV as I know that is, like, it's touching on some very real uh, themes, and, it, yeah. you know, we're, we often like to use TV as a form of like, uh, you know, escape from reality a bit. So that's why we've been really uh, inundating ourselves in, in uh, the RuPaul's Drag Race drama, because that's much easier to deal with, I think. <laughs> it's a little bit lighter. And I will say those dating shows, like what's the other one? It's like the Indian matchmaking thing. And I, there was another one um, with uh, autistic people, I think that were dating on Netflix. And I don't know, like they're just doing like, like dating shows that are, I think that kind of just like entertainment where you can just like see people following in love is, is what people are wanting right now as opposed to the hard, hard stuff. Because the world right. is heavy. What is that? What's that show that was on Netflix that people were really obsessed with? Love is Blind? Yeah, Love was Blind. They were they like stick them in a room. They're, Did you I, like that? I didn't see it. I don't watch any of that stuff. Like I, I, oh, you don't? Oh, okay. I don't get into the dating shows, but somebody was telling me about, oh, Love on the Spectrum is the, somebody was asking me the other day if I was watching that, and Indian Matchmaking, another one of the dating, dating TV shows, yeah, and then Love is Blind. It's like, people are really getting into that stuff. I just, I don't, I don't ever watch that stuff. 
Man, you were getting recommended way different things than I'm getting recommended. Because <laughs> I never heard yeah, of that. Recommendations so much as, hey, have you been watching Love on the Spectrum? I'm like, no, I just, I'm not, I don't watch the dating shows. Like, I mean, we started uh, Shit's Creek finally. So that's like our comedy. And then we were watching the um, I May Destroy You show on HBO, which is very heavy. So it is hard, it is hard to watch right now, but. Um, but I'm so excited to watch that because I love Michaela Cole, but I think it's just getting in the headspace of like, okay, this is what the show's about and you're going to have to like deal with this every episode. Because like, you know, that that stuff is heavy and, you know, uh, sometimes it's hard to stomach as, as important as it may be. Um, yeah, very, it is very hard. I'm not enjoying it as much as I probably would if it was a different time in, <laughs> in, our, in our society right now. Um, and I didn't know right. who was until I started watching that show but she's she's very talented I like the look and feel to it um but yeah the story is it's really hard to watch so have you seen chewing gum I have not is that oh first it's so yeah, funny that's... you mentioned that we my wife watched it maybe a year ago and loved it and we sat down she finally uh or finally cannot convince me but like was like hey by the way there's this show I've been wanting you to watch and we, we couldn't find it anywhere anymore uh, is it not on netflix no not anymore it was i guess it got off, it left netflix either in march or april because we like went on a, a deep dive trying to find it and um yeah it was it was a bummer but she she raved about it and we just never I, I never took the time and then we finally did and it wasn't there anymore Oh my gosh. Well, well, Sarah, you should watch Chewing Gum. It's, it's much lighter fare. Um, it's pretty tonally similar to Fleabag, um, which I think, you know, uh, Chewing Gum kind of blew up first and then Fleabag like came out with a similar thing and was able to capture the zeitgeist specifically in season two in like a different way. Um, and Chewing Gum was already done at that point, but they're kind of similar in that they like break the fourth wall, talk to the audience. Um, both extremely uh, British uh, or English. I don't know what the proper term is there, but um, very, very enjoyable, very funny show. Um, I've only seen the first season, but I got I wanted to watch season two. Yeah, I don't see it on Netflix either. But yeah, that that does sound. That I mean, it's it'd be weird to see Michaela Cole in a comedy now that I've only seen her in I May Destroy You, which is is extremely dramatic and heavy. So oh, I didn't even I, I I think I missed the start of the the conversation. I didn't realize that was the same actress that was. Yeah, her. yeah, she wrote. Yeah, that. well, and she was also you know you've seen her in like Star Wars briefly, um, in that episode of Black Mirror where it's like the Star Trek uh, reimagining where that guy like traps people in like the simulation. She's really good in that. Um, basically, she's good in everything. Was she in um, End of the Effing World? Was that her? Oh, I haven't seen that. I've only, but I did see um, what is the follow-up show? I am not okay with this. Justin, uh, no, the actress that was a different actress uh, who was in Star Wars. Um, oh, right, right, right. Yes, yeah. you're right. The third, the last, the last one. Yeah, got it. Okay. Well, those are some good, uh, good recommendations. I'll have to check that out. So. All right, well, that should do it for us this week, or else we could talk for another hour, probably, I'm sure. That's true. Uh, Sav, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to come back anytime. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk about movies with the two of you. And thanks for your um, Chasing Chasing Amy update. We we are so excited that it's still moving along even, even though we're in this mess of a pandemic, but that's exciting. Well, I hope you guys will be able to review it someday uh, on the show and uh, tell me all the things that are wrong. <laughs> it's gonna be amazing. All right, well, I'm gonna stop this recording. Thanks for joining us, everybody.